there was a time when Jesus encountered his disciples and he asked them, he said, who do people say that I am? And they said, some people say you're John the Baptist. Some people say you're Elijah or Jeremiah or some of the prophets. But then Jesus said, who do you say that I am? And Peter answered. And he said, Jesus, you are the Son of God, the Christ. And Jesus said to Peter, Peter, you didn't get this on your own. This was revealed to you by my Father in heaven. And Peter, on this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of hell will not overcome it. Now that's a powerful statement from Jesus Christ himself. True and absolute. No maybes in that. No we'll see. No not sure about that, but absolute. He said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not overcome it. Now, that's part of what I've got to talk to you about today. And part of what I've got to talk to you about for the next two or three Sundays. I will tell you that just a few weeks ago, a couple of weeks ago, I was talking to one of the fine ladies from our church. She had been away for a couple of weeks because of illness. She was glad to be back. I and we were very glad to have her back. And as we were talking, she knew that I was going to preach for two Sundays on finances. And she wasn't very happy about that, as sometimes is the case for all of us. And she said, well, Don, I believe in that, and I know that you need to do that. However, I will be so pleased to hear something uplifting and encouraging and helpful and I thought, oh, my goodness. And I looked at her and I called her by name and I said, I am so sorry, but also thankful that I get to inform you that after I preach on finances, I've got to spend four weeks talking to our church about the symptoms of a dying church. And she went, Ugh. And I understand that. This is a tough sermon for me to preach. These next three weeks are going to be tough sermons. Because I love this church and I love you people. I love the fact that we are godly people, that we believe in Almighty God and the presence of Jesus Christ in our lives. And this beautiful music and this video just fits so perfectly because we've got to look at the life of our church. I believe in life. I believe in faith. I believe in trust. I believe in God's plan. I know, I know that he has a plan. But I also know that we have some lackings. 
We have some flaws. We have some things that are struggles. Now, if you're a guest or a visitor with us, please understand that this is not a guilt process. This is not something that I want to beat anybody over the head with. This is what we need as Christian people, as the church of Jesus Christ. We need to be willing to look and to investigate and to see exactly what God is asking of us as a church. Only, only when we face some of our mistakes and our lackings and our stuckness, I guess I'll just use that word. Only when we face that and pray about that and embrace that and immerse ourselves in studying that and talking about that and moving away from those lackings and stuckness, only then do we grow. And so part of what I'm going to talk to you about these next four weeks is some of the symptoms of a dying church. Now, I'm going to go ahead and tell you this. Dying churches. Now, I have said because Jesus said, the gates of hell will not overcome it. So the church will never die. But some churches are dying. Some churches are closing their doors. We have a wonderful person in our church family who is a part of the bridge network of churches, which used to be the Norfolk Baptist Association. And Kim Jesse, Dr. Kim Jesse, has told us and told our transition team that in the last 30 years, that 18 churches in Virginia Beach, Norfolk, and Chesapeake have closed their doors. 18. That's a big number. Yeah, 30 years is a long time. But why would any church have to die? Why would any church have to close their doors? And I know, just as surely as I'm sitting here before you today, that that's not what King's Grant Baptist Church is going to do. However, I also know that for us to move forward, for us to grow, for us to be the church that God wants us to be, we've got to work and we've got to do some things differently. And that's part of what this sermon, these sermons, that's part of what the transition team, that's part of what is going to be a part of our call business meeting this evening. I hope you'll be here. And it is exciting. I'm thrilled that we're facing and going to do something about what's ahead of us. I believe in facing the issues. I've been a counselor for 50 years. And I have sat with hundreds, maybe even thousands of people. I haven't kept count. But I know it's hundreds of people in 50 years. And most of the time, these people don't want to look at the flaws or the lackings or the difficulties. They want to just avoid them. They want to just scoot on by. But one of the things that I say to all of my clients is we have to look. You and I have to look at what the problems are. 
Now, as we look at what the problems are, we will maintain hope. We will maintain trust in the Lord. And we will look for what he is saying, what he is leading as far as our church and our journey. Now, over the years, as I've talked to people, and I've heard it two or three times just in the past year, as I've been here with you folks at King's Grant, some people say, well, we've got to get back to the basics. We've got to get back to the basics of church and how we do church and what we've done in church. I believe in the basics, but unfortunately, I'm afraid most of these people that say get back to the basics, they're saying they want to get back to the way it used to be here in this church or the way it was 20 years ago or 40 years ago. They want to get back to man-made basics, traditions, and I'm not in favor of that. Folks, this is the book of basics. This is where we find what is going to be health and life for the church and for King's Grant Baptist Church. And so what I want to do today, and I, I wasn't planning this for today. Two or three days ago, as I was thinking about this sermon for today, I had this absolute impression that part of what I needed to say to you today in preparation for next week and next week and next week, talking about the symptoms of a dying church, I wanted to get back to the basics and remind you of what happened 2,000 years ago with the birth of and the establishment of the church of Jesus Christ. Remember, he said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not overcome it. He said, I will build my church on the rock. Now, I've said to you before, and I absolutely believe, just as surely as I'm sitting here, that when he said, I will build my church on the rock, he was talking about himself. He was talking about his presence, his power, his love, his forgiveness, his salvation that he offers to all of us. And so I want to look for a minute, remind you, you know this story, but please don't ignore it. Because there's power in this story. When Jesus established his church 2,000 years ago. That's why we're here. We wouldn't be here if he hadn't done it. But he established his church. How did he do that? He first met a bunch of fishermen and a tax collector and some guys in his community. And what did he say to them? He said, follow me. He still says to you and me, follow me, he says. Because if I do it my way or if you do it your way, if we do it the way we've always done it, we're not doing it based on following him. And so that's a foundational principle as far as the establishment of Jesus Christ building his church so that the great gates of hell would not overcome it. He said, follow me. And they did. Miraculously, they did. They didn't really know this guy, Jesus. But they saw something and they felt something and there was an impression. There was a movement of, of Almighty God in their spirits 
and they followed him. Scripture tells us that they laid down their nets, those fishermen, immediately and followed him. And he walked with them, and they walked with him. And they lived together for three, three and a half years. He taught them. They sat at his feet. Do you and I sit at the feet of Jesus? I wish I could say that I always am right there, but I'm not. And you're not. We get so distracted. And yes, we're busy. And yes, we got all sorts of things. But can we? Will we? Would you please? Would I please? Sit at the feet of Jesus and let him teach us how to be the church. And they gave themselves and they saw miracles and they performed miracles and they ministered and they went out. How did, and when did they go out? They went out when Jesus said to go out. Do you and I go out? They didn't have a building. <laughs> they walked the streets. They stayed with people in their homes. They talked about Jesus. And he built his church, starting even right there. They saw him go to the cross. Horror that it was. But they witnessed this act of love by Jesus Christ. And they saw him three days later when he was resurrected back to life and he walked with them more, 40 days. He was with them. He ate with them. He visited with them. He blessed them. He gave them the Holy Spirit. And then they were on the mountainside when he ascended into the heavens and they looked for him to come back. He was building his church then he will do that miraculously today. But before he ascended into the heavens, he said something very powerful to them. He said, you're going to stay right here in Jerusalem. And you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. He was building his church. And then he had to go. And what did these disciples do? Did they just say, well, okay, Jesus is gone. We're going to go back to fishing and being a tax collector. No. He, they did what he said. He said, stay here in Jerusalem and you're going, to, you're going to have a gift of power. Well, he did it 2,000 years ago. He can do it today. And they stayed. And what did they do? They didn't just hang out. They prayed and they prayed and they prayed and they prayed. They prayed for 10 days. Have you ever been in a 10-day prayer meeting? I haven't. Maybe we need to just have a 10-day prayer meeting and pray for the Holy Spirit, pray for a revival, and pray for the plan of Jesus Christ. Anything that we can do to honor him and to be his church. And then, as he's continuing to build his church, he comes in the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. And we're told that tongues of fire and rushing wind came into where they were. And they began to praise God, thanksgiving and thrilled and joyful. And the people thought they were drunk. 
And then this fellow Peter. They had leadership empowered by the Holy Spirit. This fellow Peter, who had done all sorts of things, up and down, up and down, good and bad, right and wrong. He stepped up to say, hey, to all the folks there in, the, in Jerusalem, my people are not drunk. It's just nine o'clock in the morning. And he stopped. No, he thought he was going to stop. He didn't think about it the night before. <laughs> he didn't write it down on his notes. He probably couldn't write, couldn't read. But through the power of the Holy Spirit, Peter preached a sermon, powerful sermon, amazing sermon in the second chapter of Acts. And 3,000 people that day, 3,000 people were born into the church. It was the birth of the church. Jesus is building his church right in front of our eyes through this beautiful, powerful story. And Jesus said, the gates of hell will not overcome it. 3,000 people were saved. Now remember, many of these people were from out of town. We were told in the second chapter of Acts that they spoke all sorts of languages. And they heard praises of God being spoken in their own language. So we know that there were many people from all over the known world at that time. I don't have absolute proof of about what I'm fixing to say. It's not said in Scripture. But I believe that through the power of Jesus Christ in their life that many of those people, maybe all of those people for what I know, they stayed in Jerusalem. Now they weren't planning on staying in Jerusalem. They were planning on spending a couple of days there in Pentecost and then going back home to their jobs and to their homes and to their land and to their people. But now their life had changed. And now there was a different authority in their life. And that was Jesus Christ. And I believe he told many or maybe all of them to stay in Jerusalem and to continue to build this church. And yes, that's what happened. And we're told that this church fellowshiped together and they worshiped together and they prayed together and they took care of each other. They were a church. The church had been born right there. The church that Jesus Christ was building on the rock. And these people were now going to church every day. It says that they went to the temple every single day to worship the Lord. It, we're told that they sold their possessions. They ministered through giving and taking care of everybody that had a, a need. That's part of what a church does. That's part of what the church of Jesus Christ does. That's what they did 2,000 years ago in this beautiful picture that I'm reminding you of. And then it says that they also ate in their homes. They didn't have a building. They didn't come to the church building. They went to the side of the temple area every day. They, they met there, yes. But they met in their homes. And it says they ate together. They ate food together. They fellowshiped around the dinner table. 
And not only did they fellowship, but they ate with glad and sincere hearts. They wanted to be together. They loved each other. And it says they gained the favor of all the people. Let me tell you what that means. They were changing the culture of Jerusalem. There were these hundreds of people or these thousands of people that were talking about this man, Jesus Christ. They were talking about the ministry. They were talking about the love. They were talking about the cross. They were talking about, talking about, talking about all of that. And my question is, do we ever talk about it outside of here? I'm talking to me. I'm talking to you. What do we do with this church business? They talked and they gained the favor of all of the people. And the scripture says, and the Lord added to their number daily. Daily added to their number people that were being saved. I'm sorry I have to say this. I don't want to have to say it, but I have to say it. How many people have been saved in this church in the last month? in the last six months, in the last year? How many people do you know? Zero. And I'm at fault. I'm the pastor. I've been the pastor here for the last year. But I share the fault with you. This is Jesus Christ's church. We have the foundation of love and freedom and forgiveness. And we talk to each other about it. I love that. I love you. I hate having to say these things. But I'm going to say these things because I know that we are to live, not die. I know that we're going to live. But, but, and I hate to have to put a but in there, but we have to do it the way Jesus wants us to do it. And we've got to go outside of these walls. We've got to go to this community. We've got to be involved with people that we don't know. But I promise you in the Lord, there are people that you love already and that he loves. And part of what is a part of our life that is coming is for us to have people here, many people that you don't know right now, many people that I don't know. But please pray for those people. Please pray that you and I can reach them, that we can go out and do what the Lord has asked us to do. He's building His church, and He said, the church will never die. And we've got to live. We're going to live. Now, how and why are we going to live? We're going to talk a lot about that. There are things moving in the transition team, in our church, in our prayers, that are God-led. And I'm excited about that. But part of what I want to do is I move toward conclusion of this statement about his church comes from the second chapter of Ephesians.
So we're going to look at that on the screen. Now, before we dive into this, I'm going to tell you, you probably know, I hope you know, this is a powerful statement of Scripture that is particularly aimed at Jesus reconciling the Jews and the Gentiles. Because in this day, as he was building his church 2,000 years ago, in that day, I should say, the Jews and the Gentiles were at odds. There was hostility. There was difficulty. So why am I referring to this scripture? Because in this scripture, it is completely, totally wrapped around the person of Jesus Christ. In fact, if you go back through this scripture, when you get a chance and count how many times there is a reference to him or he or Jesus himself, it's there ten times in these few verses. And so I want to declare to you that I believe that this is a statement of the foundation. It's the basics of the church. It is a relationship with Jesus Christ. And we're going to end with this powerful, where we're not going to sing it again, but there is a statement of, of power about Jesus being the cornerstone. And he is. He is the foundation. So let's walk through this passage of Scripture for just a moment. Starts with a great statement. For he himself is our peace. Please think about that. Embrace that. Know that that is true. He. Not me. Not all of us together. Not some program. Not something that we do. Not something that we dream up. But he. It is a relationship with Jesus Christ. He is our peace. And he is made then and now. He takes division and makes it unified. He has made two groups. One and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. By setting aside in his flesh. There it is again. On the cross. In his flesh, he set aside the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose, there it is again. Him, his purpose, he. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity. Let's just, we can put another word in there. To create a church. To create the church. Unified. Not divided. But he had a purpose to create in himself, one new church out of the two, thus making peace. Let's go on to the next. And in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross. We have the gift of the cross. Now, people don't understand that until we explain it to them. What is the cross? We've talked about it. While we were yet sinners, he died for us. It is the demonstration of Jesus' love. For you and me. And you and I have got to live in that. Think about that. Be thankful for that. And go out there and tell people about it. Because they don't understand that. They think a cross. That's terrible. Jesus died. That's horrible. Why do you want to tell me about somebody that died? Well he didn't stay dead. But in his creation of his church. He continues to be alive. And so he is reconciling. Bringing people together through the cross, by which he put to death 
any hostility, any difficulty. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. Now, I'm very thankful. I'm talking to people that are near to Jesus. I'm thankful about that. But what I'm struggling with is I know and you know that we need to go out there and tell people about Jesus. Those people are far away from him. They're not close at all. They don't even know him. They don't believe in him. There are hundreds of cars that drive up and down this street every single day. I stand at the window of my office sometimes prayfully, and I see car after car after car after car. And I think, those folks need to be here. No, what I really think is I and we need to go there. We need to go there and tell them about this beautiful story of Jesus Christ. So we are very near, and I'm thankful for that, but there are a lot of people that are far away. For through him, there we go again, he's right here. Through him we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Hallelujah. Be thankful about that. You and I are right here with God's spirit. But what about others? What about others that do not know anything about God's Spirit? Consequently, you and I are no longer foreigners or strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of His family. You and I have been chosen. We've been invited into His family, into His household. And here it is, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Christ Jesus Himself as the chief cornerstone. Now, I want you to just think about that. There is no way we can build the church of Jesus Christ without Jesus Christ being the cornerstone. There's no staff, no pastor, no program, no worship, no music, no nothing that can build the church of Jesus Christ that we're talking about here without Him being the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises. Think about this, please. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. There's the building of his church. How and through what? In Jesus Christ. Only in Jesus Christ. Only doing it the way he says. He is the head, the foundation, the leader of this church and any church that is doing what we and they are supposed to do. And in him, you two are being built together, becoming a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Now, Hallelujah. I pray that everybody in here has Jesus Christ in their life. I do. I believe that you do. But there's more to this. There's more to being the people of God and being a part of the church. He is still building his church. And he is still declaring that the gates of hell will not 
overcome it. He is still saying the church will never die. And part of what I am committed to as I preach this sermon, as I preach any day, but particularly these next three weeks, part of what I'm committed to with our business meeting tonight is that we are absolutely committed, believing, trusting God to be sure that King's Grant will never die. That it will live, it will thrive, it will serve, it will honor the Lord as long as he is not here. When he comes back, we will celebrate together his return. So please, I'm just begging, asking. I am desperate. And I don't mind admitting that. And myself, for this church, for the church, I'm desperate for us to know the foundation of Jesus Christ as the cornerstone. Let's pray.